Storms in life are inevitable, right? They're, they're going to happen. You're going to face storms uh, throughout your life. There was a, a passage of scripture I wanted to use today, uh, but it, it, it got cut out of the message. But it was a story about the Apostle Paul. And, and the Bible says that he was in a storm. He was on a ship in a storm. And he looks at everybody on the boat. And, and the, they're, they're on a prison ship. And, and the guards are wanting to kill all the prisoners. And Paul looks at the guards and he looks at the prisoners. And he says, don't kill them. He says, God's going to save us. And everybody gets pumped up. And he's like, but we are going to wreck the ship. Just FYI, we're all going to be dumped in the ocean. The ship's going to bust into pieces. And if you can't swim, you better grab a board. Like, like right off the bat, he's like, we're in a storm, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, and that's pretty much how life goes sometimes, right? We find ourselves in a storm. Maybe that storm is a, a physical storm. We've got some kind of physical ailment that we're going through. Or, or maybe that storm is a family storm. I know it, 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 in the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, all the family storms that have been brewing throughout the year, right? seem to pop up right at Christmas time as you're opening presents or cutting the turkey and that one uncle says the thing that you've been hoping he wouldn't say and, and then the fight breaks out. Um, or, or maybe we go through financial storms. You know, we have issues with our finances and the economy and our jobs and, and we've got all these storms that we face throughout life. And that's okay because storms happen all the time. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us that storms would happen. He said things would be bad. And so we've been talking about the last couple of weeks how to go into the storm. Like there's a, there's a point in life where you have to face the storm. You can't avoid the storm. And we talked about how the, the American bison, that's why we've got it on here. The American bison is different than a cow because a cow will hunker down and allow the storm to happen to it. But a bison will walk through the storm because the bison understands that if you walk through the storm, you're only exposed for a limited amount of time. And so, and so we, we talked about going into the storm and then we talked about being, um, what do you do when you're in the middle of the storm? And so there's this idea that, that we've got to be in the storm. But then there's this other idea, too, that there's, an, there's another side to the storm. And that's what I want to focus on today is the other side of the storm. Everybody say when we say the other side. We're going to the other side today. There's a quote uh, my dad sent me by Robert Frost, and it says, The best way out is always through. That's a really good quote. I really like that. The best way out is always through. And, and, and so we want the other side, but we don't need to forget. We don't need to forget that the storm can actually be good for us. The storm can actually be good for us. There are some good aspects to a storm. As a matter of fact, I, I just want to throw this out here. Um, God can use any storm to, to, to work for us and in us. Uh, the Bible says this, uh, Job went through a storm, and the Bible says he didn't sin by blaming God. And, and I just want to throw something out to you. I, I hear, since I started talking about storms, I hear a lot of people come give me their commentary on storms, right? Which is great. I love to hear your commentary on storms. But I've had some people tell me, you know, I, I believe God, you know, gave my, you know, uncle cancer to really, te- and I'm, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know that the storms are necessarily from God. We need to understand one thing. Uh, storms could be satanic. They could be a spiritual storm. Storms can be environmental. You know, sometimes a storm just happens. It's, it's it, the ebbs and flows of the economy. Sometimes the storms happen because of uh, a, a, a literal storm blows through the area. Sometimes storms are made by my own choices, you know. Uh, I, I, I hear that one a lot. You know, someone gets himself into a storm and then they blame God for their storm. And I'm, I'm thinking, no, 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 it's not, it's not God's fault. It's years of terrible choices that you've made have put you into this storm. It's, it's years of, of disobe- disobedience to God or it's years of, uh, of, of not listening to wise uh, counsel that has put you in this storm. So, so understand, the storms could be a, a variety of things 
But no matter where the storm comes from, God wants to use the storm to work on us. In, in James chapter 1, this is the verse we're going to start with today. And, and, and this is going to kind of be a key point to help us on the other side. So I want you to understand what's happening in the storm to help you on the other side of the storm. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles or storms of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let let me tell you something. We want to be, the Bible says perfect. It also means mature. That word means mature. I want to be a mature, complete Christian. I want to be a mature, complete human, right? But I'm not going to get to where I want to be without having a little bit of test along the way. Now, we talk a lot in here about working out because um, there, a lot of us are into fitness and we like to work out. We, we like to exercise. And, and listen, here's the thing about exercise. Exercise, you, you will never get stronger if you don't push yourself. If there's not applied weight, you will never get stronger. It, it's, it's funny how that works. You can eat right all you want and sit on the couch and you're not going to get any stronger. How many of you ever watched the movie Wally? Nobody, okay. There's four of us that watch Wally. In the movie Wally, it's a Disney cartoon, right? It's a Disney cartoon. I hope that's the name of it. Watch Wally be some like terrible movie. And, um, and I don't know if you're talking about it. There's a Disney cartoon called Wally. And the whole premise of the Disney cartoon is that humanity is on this giant space cruise ship. And none of them do anything anymore. They just sit in hover chairs and eat food all day. And it literally shows like an x-ray of their bodies and how their bones have gotten smaller and their fat has gotten bigger. And they just sit there like this and they can't walk anymore. They can't move anymore. They're, They're assisted by robots all the time. And what we do sometimes spiritually is we become like the people on Wally. Is we come into church and we just sit and we receive and we receive. But, but listen, if life is always perfect, we're never going to grow. We're never going to get stronger. We want to be mature. And so James says this. James, and James is the brother of Jesus. So he's seen storms. And James says, listen, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Don't try to get to the other side too fast. Allow God to work on you in the storm. But when we make it to the other side, and that's where we want to talk today, I've got three things that are going to happen to us when we make it to the other side. When we make it to the other side, the first thing that's going to happen is the other side gives me a new perspective. Think about this for a second. When I make it to the other side, so I'm in the storm, I'm facing the battle, and and we talked about how Job didn't blame God, but a lot of people do blame God. A lot of people are upset at God because of the storm they're in. We're, We're upset during the storm, but when we make it to the other side, we can look back and it gives me a different perspective on who God is. It gives me a different perspective on who God is. In Mark chapter 4, and we'll roll through Mark just a little bit today. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, this is another story of a storm. It says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, I want you to notice one thing real quick. If you're underlining, underline the word teacher today. The one thing they called Jesus is teacher. That'll make sense in a minute. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Be silent. I mean, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. 
Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. I think that's funny right there. Like, they have this moment where they can be in total awe of who Christ is, and instead, they're terrified. And I often wonder, why in the world would they be terrified? The guy just performed a miracle. Why would you be terrified? Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. I think the reason they were terrified is they got a different perspective of who Christ was. See, when they're in the middle of the storm and the waves are crashing around them, they, they've got this one mindset of he's just a teacher. But then, and probably what they wanted is they wanted the teacher to come grab an oar. They wanted the teacher to come grab a bucket and start throwing water out of the boat. But instead, he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and the storm calms down. And probably some of these guys remembered back to Psalm 89. In Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9 says this. It says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with, uh, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging sea. When its waves rise, you still them. I wonder if the disciples got scared because they realized their perspective changed on who God was. And this whole time they're mad at the teacher and then they realize they're talking to God Almighty. And they're a little bit terrified. Hey, what have we been saying? It makes me want to rethink all the things I said about God during my storm, right? All the times I shook my fist at God during my storm. And then on the other side of the storm, I look back and I see how God was working for my good during the storm. It's amazing to, to see that, how, how that perspective changes. I also can see God's plan from the other side. When I get to the other side, I see his plan. I don't just see him different. I see his plan differently. There, there's a story we talked about last week about a man named Joseph in the Old Testament. And the Bible says that Joseph was sold uh, by his brothers who were jealous of him. But he, they sold him into slavery. And he went from being a slave to, to being, uh, being put in prison. He was a slave for a man. He was falsely accused of rape. And, and the man threw him into prison. And, and then he was in prison for multiple years and was forgotten about in prison until finally he got out. For 17 years, Joseph was either a slave or he was in prison. For 17 years, Joseph was in a storm, right? And then Joseph finally gets out of the storm. And the Bible says that, that he was released from prison. And, and, and he begins to talk to the king of Egypt, the pharaoh of Egypt. And, and, and he begins to help the king of, of Egypt. And, and whenever he does, he gets put in a place of power and a place of prominence. He was number two in the country of Egypt. Egypt was going through a famine. And Joseph was able to help Egypt through the famine. His, his wisdom, God-given wisdom, put together a plan to get Egypt through the famine. In the course of that, his family that had sold him into slavery found themselves without food. And the Bible says they didn't know where to go to get food, so they went to, guess, Egypt. They get to Egypt, and there's one man in charge of all the food, and it was Joseph. And they didn't even realize it was him at first. Eventually, they find out it was Joseph, and eventually they get full of regret because they're like, oh, he's going to kill us. You know, he's going to kill us. He's in charge now. We sold him into slavery. He was put in prison. He was gone for 17 years. Joseph's going to kill us. But then here's what Joseph says to them in, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It says this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. When Joseph made it to the other side of the storm, he was able to look back with a different perspective. 
and he could see that all the storm, all the trouble, all the, the slavery and the prison and the for, forgotten and, and the falsely accused, all of that led him to this point where his life was transformed and he was able to help other people. So whenever we're going through a storm, remember, there's another side. And when we make it to the other side, it gives us a different perspective. We need to look back on God with a different view. Look back on God's plan with a different perspective because I think God's working the whole time we're in the storm. The second thing that the other side does is it changes my patterns and my priorities. It changes my patterns and my priorities. I was, I was talking to, uh, this weekend we had this conversation uh, at, at our family Thanksgiving, and, and my brother-in-law's dad, uh, Jesse's dad, had some health issues uh, a while back. And it was a health scare, and he, he got put in the hospital, and, and all of his numbers and things, everything was, was kind of bad. And all of a sudden, he, he realized something's got to change. He went through a storm, and something had to change. Now, now to understand the, the drastic nature of this, um, he, he went from just eating whatever he wanted to eat. He, he went from going on all of his vacation center, a lot of his vacation centered around like wine tasting trips and, and going to craft breweries. And he, he loved alcohol as a, as, as, a, as a hobby. But once he went through this health storm, all of a sudden he came out of it saying, I'm not allowed to drink anymore. So he had to put down all alcohol. He, he all of a sudden put down all meat. He went completely vegan. His, his lifestyle changed, completely changed. And all of his numbers got better. He's very healthy now. He's lost some weight. He looks really good. His, his life has been transformed. Why? Because he went through a storm. His perspective changed on some things. And because his perspective changed, all of a sudden his patterns and his priorities changed. All of a sudden, things that used to be important to him weren't quite as important as they used to be. Things that, that he felt like was a habit or things that he felt like was a, a, a necessity all of a sudden wasn't a necessity anymore. And something you need to notice when you come through the other side of a storm is you're going to notice that there's going to be some things that need to change so that you don't go back through that same storm again. There's going to be some things that need to change. And in Romans chapter 12, this is a verse we quote a lot. I'm going to use it for both patterns and priorities. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A couple of words I want to throw out to you real quick. Number one is the word transform. The word transform means to change outwardly to fit a pattern, Right? So, I mean, not transform, conform. Conform means to change what's on the outside to fit a pattern. So whenever you conform, all you're doing is you're changing your outward appearance, the things that you do to fit a pattern of life. Maybe, maybe you've seen people like this. Maybe you remember in high school the, the, the kid that showed up to high school and he, you know, he dressed a certain way, but because everybody else dressed a certain way, all of a sudden he changed the outside to fit in with the crowd, right? We see that. We see that as adults. We do the same kind of stuff. You change the outside to fit in. And, and we see that a lot in life. And, and Paul's telling us, don't be conformed. Don't change the outside. Don't change what you're doing to fit the patterns of this world. He says, instead, be transformed. The word transformed is different. You would think it's the same. But transformed means to change the outside, but it means to fit what is internally going on. See, when my perspective changes on who God is and what his plan is, now I begin to change my patterns. I begin to change my priorities, not to fit the people around me. I change my patterns and my priorities to fit what God's doing inside of me. 
And that's something we need to grab a hold of today. There's some, you've been going through a storm for a long time, and maybe you're still in that storm today because there's some areas of, of pattern and priorities that need to change in your life. I remember, uh, I talk about this all the time, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but, but whenever I was a kid growing up, um, you know, the common thought on pastor's kids was that pastor's kids were always the worst kid in church, right? And some of you went to, went to church with that kid growing up. You know, the pastor's kid was always the worst one. And, and I used to think about it, and here's the reason why the pastor's kid is often one of the worst ones, is because oftentimes the pastor spends more time with everybody else's kid than he does with his own. And that kid begins to act out because he doesn't get the attention that he needs from his own dad. Who gets up and preaches great sermons, but can't treat his family right. And one of the things I remember as a kid is my dad spending so much time at church that he wasn't spending time at home. And I remember going home every Sunday night, Wednesday night, and dad wasn't around. Every Sunday morning we would go home after church and dad had to study because he had to preach Sunday night too. And so there was this absence of dad in the home at certain moments because of church. But I remember a change in his pattern. I remember a change in his priorities. One day he decided to tell people, if you need to talk to me, you can make an appointment. I've got an office. And then he began to, he began to go on every camping trip that the boys went on. He went on every ski trip that the youth group went on. He went on every mission trip. He went on everything that I went on my dad participated in. What happened? His patterns and his priorities changed. And maybe for him, he didn't go through a storm. Maybe he could see a storm brewing. And he decided to change before he ever got to that point. But for us, guys, we've got to make sure that we're changing those, those patterns we're transforming. The word renew, there it says this. It says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The word renew means the completing of a process. God is doing something in you. Allow him to complete that process in you. And it will change your mind, which will change your actions. The third thing is this. The other side offers me a new purpose. We were... I was, I was reading my Bible the other day, maybe a, a week ago or two weeks ago, and, um, and I was writing Perry a note for school, just something to encourage her during school. And I came across this verse, and, and it really hit me for her, but I want to I use this for all of us today. It says this in, in verse, uh, first, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, and, and really we could have expanded it. We could really go down to, like, I think, verse like 6 or 7. It continues the same thought. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God who is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles or storms, right? So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Let me tell you something. The storm you're going through or the storm you just went through, maybe you're on the other side of it now, he is renewing a purpose in you because the storm you went through gives you a testimony. It gives you something that you can share with someone else. When you look back and, and your perspective has changed, you see who God really is in the storm. You see the plan God really had during that storm. Now, all of a sudden, I can take what I learned and I can turn around and I can give it to someone else. I, I, I've shared this one before, but, but my friend Brooke, I used to be in a, a traveling ministry. We, we traveled all over the all over the nation, and then we, we even went to other countries sometimes, and we would do church services and school assemblies, and, you know, we would, we would do the whole go to schools and talk about violence and drugs and sex, and then we would say, invite everybody to a church service at night, and we would do 
you know, all kinds of stuff there and, and, and try to get people saved. And, and I remember um, right at the beginning of, of doing this, we, we were all at my friend Brooks, uh, at a friend's house. We used to go to Brooks' house all the time. We went to a friend's house and we we're watching TV and just kind of hanging out. And we got a phone call and, and it was for my friend Brooke. And they said, your dad's been taken to the hospital. And so a lot of us, you know, she went to the hospital and a lot of us rushed to the hospital to, to be with Brooke. And her dad died in an instant unexpectedly, no one, there wasn't anything wrong, just all of a sudden, um, I don't know if it was like a heart attack or something, but he just died in an instant. And I remember Brooke took a couple of weeks off, and as she should, you know, to just kind of recover. But I remember specifically the first church service that we were involved in after she came back. And I was on that trip, and I think we are in Florida somewhere, and and, and I remember they, they do like we do here. So, so the prayer team would come down to the front, and we were the prayer team. And so we were all down front, and, and they would invite anybody that needed prayer for anything to slip out of your seat and come down to the front and let somebody pray with you. And I remember this girl got up, and she walked down the aisle, and she was crying the whole time. And she got to Brooke, and she said, I need prayer. And Brooke said, what do you need prayer about? And she said, you wouldn't understand. And Brooke said, just try me. And she said, my dad just died. Now, of all the people standing down front that that little girl could have gone to, she went to Brooke. And Brooke's dad had just died. But Brooke had been comforted, and she had been through that storm, and she was on the other side of that storm, and she was able to offer comfort to this girl. Whatever storm you've gone through, once you make it to the other side, I believe God provides a purpose for you on that other side. And it's up to us to look for that. We need to look for people who need comfort and peace in their life. I want to finish with Mark chapter 5, and, and then I'll have a couple of verses that we'll, that we'll say at the very end while um, Pastor Jonathan comes up and, and the, the band sings for us a, a, one more song. But, but in Mark chapter 5, Mark 5, 1 is where we're going to start. It's kind of long. It's, it's 20 verses. I'll try to move through it fairly quickly. But in Mark chapter 4, we just read, Jesus calms the storm. Mark chapter 5, he made it to the shore, right? So they get in the boat. In Mark 4, storm hits, Jesus calms the storm, they get to the shore. This is what happens when they get to the shore. So check this out, I think this is so cool. So they arrived at the other side of the lake, in the region of the Gerasenes. Then Jesus climbed out of the boat, and a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Let me pause right here and tell you something. This man is living in a storm. His spirit is in a constant hurricane. He, he is constantly tormented. And I, I find it interesting that he cut himself... The Bible doesn't say this, I'm no psychologist, but I often wonder, if I was full of a demonic possession, if I was full of demons, would I want to cut myself to try to release what was on the inside? And I feel like that's probably what this guy's doing. He's howling at the moon, he's like a wild animal, his life is a total wreck, he is living in a storm. And, and maybe today, maybe you're not full of demons, I wouldn't say that, but, but maybe you're living in a storm today. And maybe you feel like, I, I would do anything to get out of this storm. And you feel like your inside is just in turmoil. That's how this guy felt. It says, when Jesus was still some distance away, verse 6, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. 
I find it interesting that even under the influence of demons, this guy recognizes there's only one way out of the storm. I can cut myself, I can howl at the moon, I can run around in the caves, I I can break every chain, but there's only one way to get set free from this storm. And I see the man right there, and I'm going to run to him, and I'm going to get at his feet. With a streak, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, the son of the most high? Uh, In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. No, that's not the man screaming, that's the demon inside of him. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. The evil spirits begged him again and again not to send him, uh, send them to some distant place. Then it happened, uh, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside. Send us to those pigs, the spirit begged, let, uh, let us enter them. So Jesus gave him permission, the spirit, uh, evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside and into the lake and drowned in the water. Uh, l- let me just point out, 2,000 pigs? I'm wondering if there was 2,000 demons inside of this guy. He's facing a storm. He's living a storm. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news um, as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Now listen to this part. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. What happened? He's going through a storm. He gets a little bit, a little bit of perspective, right? I'm cutting myself. I'm trying to get free of these 2,000 demons. I'm trying to, trying to get loose from this storm. I'm trying to get to another side. He gets a little bit of perspective. He sees Jesus, and he says, if I can just fight these demons off enough to get to Jesus, if I can just push through this storm enough to get to Jesus, he'll do something. He gets to Jesus. Jesus casts out the demons, and then it, the Bible says that he was fully clothed. Now, his pattern had been to be naked. That was his pattern running around without clothes on, cutting himself in the dark, right? That was his pattern. His pattern was howling at the moon and acting like an animal. But all of a sudden, his pattern and his priorities begin to change. It says he was fully clothed and perfectly sane, and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's amazing what Jesus can do when we're in a storm. Then the Bible says in verse 16, it says, Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. I don't know why. That's wild. You know what? Sometimes whenever you come out of a storm, this just kind of hit me. Sometimes when you come out of a storm, there's going to be people in life who aren't going to like the change because it's outside of what they're used to with you. They were used to this guy being a wild man, but as soon as he gets perfectly sane and they lose a few pigs, everybody gets upset. And there's some of you, you've been struggling with this storm for a long time. And as soon as you come out and they see everything change about you, they see joy on your face, they see peace in your mind, they're going to think something's wrong. And they're going to be afraid. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to, the, to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. 
So not only was his perspective changed, not only were his patterns and his priorities changed, but now all of a sudden his purpose has been changed. This man went from living in caves to preaching the gospel in ten different cities. And the Bible says that everybody he came in contact with was amazed at what God was doing in his life. They were amazed at the words he was saying. Can I tell you something today? When you come out of your storm, God will renew your purpose. He'll give you something to say. I want to end with this today. Because I feel like there's some of you that may be going through a storm right now. You may be going through a storm, and i got a couple of verses I want to share with you. One of them I'm going to have on the screen, the other one I won't. Romans 12, 11, uh, and 12 says this. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. A couple of things I just want to point out to you today. If you're going through a storm, if you're going through a storm, number one, don't lose your love. Don't lose your love. Don't lose your zeal. Keep serving God. Don't be, the Bible says that Job didn't sin by, by blaming God. Don't be like that. Don't, don't be the kind of person that blames God for everything that you're going through. Keep your fervor, keep your love, and, and keep serving the Lord even in the middle of the storm. It says be joyful in hope. We need to always be joyful looking to the other side. That I may be going through a storm right now. Things may not be good, but there is another side. That also helps my perspective. One of the things we, we talk about a lot in, in, in death, whenever there's death in a family, um, especially the death of a, of, a, uh, of a Christ follower, is the fact that we can have hope and joy in knowing that that person is in heaven. And so it changes our perspective a little bit. I can have joy in hope, right? And then he says, be patient in affliction. Listen, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. Be patient in affliction. Uh, the, the, the word patient there means to endure. To endure. One of the things I love, I talked about fitness earlier. One of the things I love about, about my gym whenever we're working out, there's a, a, a movement, a, a squat, and so you put weight on your back or wherever you want to put the weight. And you go down, and a lot of times when people go down and the weight's really, really heavy, and they start to come back up, there's a sticking point, right? And, and it's like you get here, it's fine. Going down, it's always easy. Right? You just fall down, there's weight on your back. But going up, you get to the sticking point, and you're stuck, and you're trying to push, and you're trying to push. One of the things I love is, is whenever you have uh, uh, people around you. Sophia's a very, very loud person whenever people are working out. Candace is a very loud person when you're working out. And I love it because you can be stuck. And you're right here and you're stuck and you're trying to push and you're trying to push. And all of a sudden you'll hear Sophia or Candace say, get up! It's like, come on, get up! And they're screaming at you. And, and you hear them and all of a sudden, you, I mean... For some guys, they get right up. Me, I'm kind of weak. I don't get up all the time. But I love it. I love to hear that. I love standing in the gym. And I love hearing people scream encouragement at those that are going through a storm. They're stuck. And they're trying to get up. And they're saying, get up. Don't give up. Don't quit. You may be in the middle of a storm today. And that word endure means to, to stay under pressure. To stay under weight. It means to don't stop. Don't quit. Keep pushing. And then it says, be faithful in prayer. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Listen, we have prayer here every Sunday morning after church. We, we open up the altars. We ask people to come down for prayer. The word faithful just means to be consistent. 
Yeah, but I prayed last week and, and nothing happened. And I prayed the week before that and nothing happened. Listen, you be faithful. You keep praying. You don't stop praying in the middle of your storm. You don't quit. You don't give up. One more verse. I didn't have this in here, and I, I promise I'll be quiet. 1 Peter 5.10. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The God of all grace. Paul, uh, Peter says this, after you've suffered for a little while. Now, Peter understands this, right? Peter has suffered. Peter has messed up. Some of his storms were his own doing. Peter's the one that denied Jesus three times, but Jesus himself restored him. So Peter knows this from, from personal experience. He says, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you. Some of you need to be restored today. He will confirm you. He will confirm you. He will strengthen you. And He will establish you. Another version says this, He will put you on a firm foundation. You know, I read this story about the demon-possessed man. And you can stand up with me today. We're about to close out. I read the story about the demon-possessed man. And, and here's the thing I find interesting about the demon-possessed man. is sometimes I put myself in his shoes. I put myself in his shoes and I think about this. When I'm struggling in my storm, there's somebody coming across the lake. Jesus went through a storm to get to that demon-possessed man. Here's a cool part of the story. Jesus crosses the lake or crosses the, the water, goes through the storm, has to calm the storm down, steps foot on the ground on the other side heals the demon-possessed man, and then gets right back in his boat and leaves. What does that tell me? That tells me that Jesus had one thing on his mind. He had that man on his mind. And he was willing to go through a storm to get to him. He was willing to cross the lake to get to him. He was willing to do whatever it took to get to him because he knew that this man was going through a storm and he needed to be free. And there may be some of you today that you're going through a storm and you feel like nobody knows and nobody cares and, and, and nobody, nobody's checking on me like they should and, and I don't have everybody patting me on the back and, and I don't have Candace screaming at me to get up. But can I tell you something? You got a God that's willing to go through a storm. You got a God that's willing to cross the lake. You got a God that's willing to bypass everything else, to detour his whole plan just to come find you this morning. So don't give up. Don't quit. Be faithful in prayer because the God of all grace will restore you, establish you, strengthen you, and confirm you. Amen. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray, I'm going to ask my prayer team to come down to the front. These guys are going to sing one last song and then we're going to dismiss you guys. If you need prayer, I want you to slip out of your seat and come down and let somebody pray with you this morning. But let me pray over you first. Lord God, I love you and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you that, that on a holiday weekend, you've brought the right people into this place. God, you have set in place people down front that have been through some storms. They've been through some storms. They've had to be comforted. And now, God, they're here to comfort others. 
God, I thank you that there's people in this room that, that might be going through a storm right now. And God, as they're going through this storm, I pray that you would set them free. I pray that you would help them to get to the other side. Today, your storm may be, may be completely material. It may be financial. It, it, it may be something to do with your job. It, it may be something spiritual that you're going through. Maybe today you're not serving God and you found yourself in a storm. You found yourself trapped in sin and you don't know how to get free from it. Maybe today your, your storm is physical and you're going through some physical issues. Maybe it's relational. You got some family stuff going on. Let me tell you something. God wants to be with you and he wants to calm every storm. He wants to walk with you through every storm. So as we sing this song, I'm going to ask you if you need prayer today, if you're going through a storm, I want you to slip out of your seat and let somebody pray with you this morning.